What things are you doing now that will matter for eternity? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelists Han and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Later in the show, you'll hear from Howard Storm, who was an atheist for whom the reality of eternity set in. Mm. You know, for me growing up, I wasn't really thinking of eternity. I was just thinking about how I'm going to get famous, how one day Mm -hmm. I want to get married. And to be honest with you, as I got older, I was a little afraid of death, but I thought by the time I get older, maybe they'll come up with some type of everlasting pill so I could just <laughs> live forever. I'm sure by mm. then they'll come up with it. Yeah. And so I didn't Fountain want to youth, think right? about what life would be like after death or that there was some type of eternity. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us, you know, when we think about eternity, we want to make a big footprint on this earth so that it lasts for past when we die. Mm -hmm. You know, we say, I want to really do something with my life. I really want to do something in this world and really make an impact so that when I die, people remember me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of that, you know, thought pattern. Yes, I had that too. I always wanted to be famous so that when I died, everyone would go, oh, Kathleen, you know. (laughs) No, I think that a lot of people live for that or are just living on and on to hopefully live forever and not think about death. But death is a reality. It is something that's real, but there is an afterlife. Mm -hmm. And I think what we need to realize is what is really the purpose of our lives? Mm -hmm. Well, the Bible says in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That means that the real purpose in life is to meet our creator. Mm -hmm. When we know our creator, we know the one who formed, who fashioned us, who made us and why he made us, when we can get that answer to that question, then we will truly know what our purpose is. We'll truly be able to make that footprint that we hope to do because it's the things that we do now that we'll realize, wait a minute, you know, the way my hair looks or the way my face looks mm-hmm. really will not matter in yeah. eternity. Mm-hmm. What matters is how I love today, yeah. what I do today, how I affect the lives of others yeah. in a positive way. That's going to matter. And when you receive Jesus into your heart and you realize there's a God and you want to follow him, your priorities change. It goes from me, me, me to God. What do yeah. you want for me? How can I help reach people? And those are the things that are going to matter for eternity. And it's really hard. You know, some people say, well, just know Jesus, but Jesus is the one who made us. And he really is the one who really knows and he has that missing part to your life to find out what your purpose really yes. is. So don't just plan for retirement, plan for eternity. Let's hear from Howard Storm after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Lay. Hello, everyone. And joining us is former college professor who was an atheist, Howard Storm, and we're going to find out what happened to him at 38 years old when he died and came back. Let's welcome to the show, Howard. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Kathleen, for inviting me. Yeah, so I understand that you pretty much had everything going for you in life. You had money, you were a college professor, things were going really well. Tell me a little bit about what you were experiencing in life up until 38 years old. I was chasing the American dream, you know, but 
more than money. What I wanted was fame as an artist. I wanted to be powerful and highly respected. And the only problem was is that everything I chased after and everything I got always left me feeling as empty as before I had it. Nothing ever made me feel completely satisfied. And I didn't know what was missing, but inside I wasn't really very happy with my life. Although at the age of 38, I was on the way and had gotten all the, you know, house, money, cars, wife, kids, you know, all the stuff that I thought was going to make me happy. Right. Now, I understand you didn't believe in God. What made you not believe there was a God? When I was a young teenager, I got so disillusioned with the church. There was no religion in my home, and some of the stuff at the church bothered me. I felt like they were all a bunch of hypocrites, and Hmm. I was angry with my mother and father and didn't want to follow anything that they told me to do. So I just turned away from it and got involved with philosophy and became what I thought of myself as an existentialist. I believed in nothing. Wow. And so you were a professor, and was it kind of challenging for you if you ever talked to other Christians as a philosopher and you had students? What would you think about anyone who believed in God now that you have all this knowledge as a professor? Myself and all of my professor friends at the university, because all my friends were all atheists too. I didn't associate with Christians, and we thought that Christians were foolish, (laughs) simple-minded, deluded, believed in fantasies, and we didn't talk to them because we didn't take them seriously. We thought they were just silly. Mm. (laughs) Wow. And so here at 38 years old, something really horrible happened to you. Your duodenum ruptured, and you ended up dying. Can you tell me about that? I was taking a group of students around Europe, and we were in Paris, and that's when it happened. And I was taken to the big city hospital there, but because it was a Saturday, there was no surgeon. And so they were trying to call someone in. So I went for 10 hours without ever seeing a doctor at the surgical hospital. And I was given no medication, no treatment, no nothing. Because I didn't have a doctor, I wasn't assigned anybody, so nobody was doing anything for me. The doctors in the emergency room at the hospital told me my life expectancy was a couple hours. The doctors in the United States told me my life expectancy was two or three hours, five tops. Oh my gosh. I lay in that hospital for 10 hours with nothing. Oh my gosh. Were you in a lot of pain? And what was going through your mind as you're being told? The pain was way over the top. It was like I couldn't talk. It was really, really hard to breathe because the digestive juices that digest your food were now migrating into my abdominal cavity. And so uh, actually I was digesting myself on the inside. Oh my gosh. gosh. What a scary place. You're out of the country and you're told you only have hours to live. At that point, I mean, it's like you're pretty much toast. Were you afraid to die? What were you thinking? Well, I didn't want to die because I thought I was just getting everything that I had worked hard for. I'd worked my way through school, and now, you know, I was a full professor and head of the art department and all that stuff. And then now, all for what? All for not? You know, it's all coming to an end. Oh. It was so terrifying. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you ended up dying, and you didn't just turn into nothingness. There was something that happened that is beyond what you even believed ever was possible. Tell me what happened when you died. Well, I went unconscious, and then the next thing I knew, I was standing in the room, and I felt more alive than I ever could see, hear, touch, feel, taste, more than I'd ever experienced in this world. And I tried to communicate with my wife and the roommate that I had in the room that I was in. Neither of them knew I was there yelling and screaming at them. And then I noticed that in the bed was a thing that looked just like me, and it was dead. And that was really scary because I didn't know how... 
there could be me dead in a bed, yet I'm standing there like alive, mm. more alive. Wow. And people were calling my name, called me to go with them, and I thought they were taking me to surgery. Instead, they took me on a long journey into the darkness, and they got cooler and cooler, and eventually I said I wasn't going to go with them anymore. And they started to push and pull, and we fought, and then they started to bite and tear and yes. torment me. And that went on for a very, very long time, and it was horrible. Mm. In sheer terror, trying to fight them off, but I couldn't because there were a lot of them. Wow. Oh and I was lying there, and I heard a voice that I think came from me. I didn't do it, but I think it came out of me and said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't believe in God. And the voice said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't know how to pray. And the voice said, pray to God. And I thought, when I was a kid, I prayed. And I was trying to remember. And I was getting everything all confused with the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem and everything. And finally, I came upon a couple phrases that were from prayers, like, the Lord is my shepherd and our Father who art in heaven, just little bits and pieces. So I started to say them, and the people around me got very, very angry. And they were going to do much worse things to me than they'd already done. And I knew that it really made them angry and also caused them to retreat away from me. So I just started saying anything I could think of about God. And finally, I found myself alone in that place. And in that aloneness, I thought about my life. I went over my whole life in my mind and realized I'd not been a very good son to my parents. I hadn't been a good brother to my sisters. I hadn't been a good father to my kids. I hadn't been a good husband to my wife. I hadn't been... A real friend to my students, et cetera. And I just thought, well, you know, what was I ever born for except to end up in the cesspool? Wow. I was in the cesspool of the universe. Mm. And those people were telling me that they were going to take me deeper into it. So I was not in the worst part of it yet. Oh, my and God. in my despair, my mind went back to my childhood a little boy sitting in a Sunday school classroom singing Jesus Loves Me and really believing it. And like, it was so beautiful. It was the only hope that I've had in all this experience that maybe there is a Jesus. So I called out to him and I yelled out into the darkness, Jesus, please save me. And with that, a tiny light appeared and got very bright, fast, and came over me, impossibly brilliant white light. And out of it came hands and arms, and he reached down and healed me and picked me up and held me to him and took me out of that place. Wow. Well, we're oh going to hear God. more about what happened to you because it didn't end there. You had a long journey ahead of you. You also got to experience who Jesus really is. And you came back a believer instead of an atheist. So mm-hmm. we're going to pray for those who are either agnostic, atheist, or unsure if there's really a heaven or hell. And we're going to have you back on our next show. Thank you so much, Howard. Thank you. Well, you know, here we're hearing evidence of someone who had died and didn't know he was dead, and then suddenly was being led into a journey, almost like being tricked, you know, and realizing a sudden reality of a spiritual reality, a place of torment, and not wanting to go, but being stuck there. And then for the first time, realizing there was power in some of the things that, you know, Christians believe in. So Father God, I just thank you so much for just knowing that the Christian way, it is the real way. When you hear this, it's just more confirmation, knowing that the things that we believe are real and true. Most of all, Lord God, I pray that you begin to speak to us the reality that hell is real. It's not just a place that anyone's using. Actually, there's no Christian leaders who are using that to scare people. It is a real thing, Lord God. Let us consider and know what is the way to salvation. Mm -hmm. And knowing that we can cry out to you even now, Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. 
And you saved me from a place called hell. Mm -hmm. And I want that salvation. So Jesus, we cry out to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next time for Real Life.